This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello and welcome to The North in Numbers, a podcast that gets the human stories behind the stats. I'll be your host, Annie Goke. As a data journalist, I write local news stories based on statistics for regional papers up and down the country. Each episode, I'll be looking at the figures that particularly affect the North and speaking to experts and those most affected to get their take on the issues facing our communities. It's that time of year again. Kids are back in the classroom and applications for next year's school places are opening. It can be a fraught time for many parents, with the quality of education, location of the school and a child's friendship group all needed to be taken into consideration. And competition for secondary school places has become particularly fierce. The latest figures from the Department for Education reveal that the problem of oversubscription, where more people put a school down as their first choice than are offered a place, is getting worse. Nearly two in three secondary schools across the North were oversubscribed this year, the highest proportion since figures began in 2014-15, and up from closer to half at that time. In one school in the region, fewer than one in every five first-choice applicants were offered a place. Many of these parents will have ended up sending their child to their second or third choice of secondary. However, nearly 7,000 kids across the North didn't get into any of their preferred schools last year, the highest number on record. That was the situation Susan Smith found herself in in 2020, and it had a huge impact on her mental health. We lived in Adol in Leeds, um, and kids had grown up there, lived all there. They go to Adol Primary, or they went to Adol Primary at the time. And then beginning of 2020, um, we got served the Section 21 no-fault eviction. And it was right before we were, I was due to put the choices down for my daughter, Sarah, um, for high school. And so that's through a spanner in the works. And because I was a full-time student, I wasn't working. That limited my choice of being able to just look for private accommodation in the same area. I was forced into student accommodation. I had no choice. And... The closest one that I could find, like just to make it easy for commuting, um, was in Burley. And so when we'd, we'd moved to Burley and then it was time to put her choices down. And I thought, well, this is only temporary accommodation and the kids have grown up in adult. They go to school in adult. So I'm going to put down the schools closest to adult. I mean, it makes sense. And that once I've I mean, I was looking for a job at the time because I thought I've got to get back to that area. Um, and so, yeah, I put the five closest schools to us in adult. And then I also explained, I says, we're only living in temporary accommodation. It's student accommodation. Once I'm no longer a student, we're not living here anymore. So it would be, didn't make any sense to put us in a school close to Burley. And that was completely ignored. And they put us in none of those five choices. They put us in the closest school in Burley. And that seems to be from my experience that's what they do it's just the closest school and they ignore all the choices that you put down they should have kept them in the area at least just give them that level of stability mm. where you know they knew their friends and they could have gone to a school at least it would have been less damaging for them at least they would have known the area 
But no, let's just rip them completely out of everything. I mean, it was kicking as well. We were really low and it was just so bad. So, And I just was in a really dark place because I just think as a parent, if you fail them in the most crucial of way, can't keep a roof over our heads and you can't choose where they're going to get educated. I just felt a complete failure and... I just thought, are they better off without me at that point? It was a really dark place. Thankfully, Susan was eventually able to resolve the issue before the start of the school year. I got a job and I found a, a, school, um, a house close to one of the school, the, the, top, the first choice school. And I, I appealed and got her in there. And because it was the closest school at the time, and that seems to be the decision, um, that's how they make the decision. And I do, like, it, it kind of makes me laugh, like, parents talking about their choices which school to choose and I'm like none of it matters they're gonna put you in the school that is closest to where you live regardless the only thing that you know um got the kids into the school that I wanted was because I had to move I had to move close to the school because uh, that's that's how leads decide where your kids go and I've never known anyone be getting to you know a choice unless they're living close to the school then it could <laughs> it's a kind of a choice because they're living there and that's there the leads will place them but mm. yeah yeah that's pretty much it really um so I'm finally got them into a school that I actually want them to go to I'm happy with the school but if I if I you know if that if I didn't you know get a job and do that I don't know where we'd be living I don't know which school they'd have ended up in it's just yeah it, it was just you know you lose that power and you know you've got no control of where your kids go and it's Yeah, it was just a horrible experience. While Susan's particular circumstances are unusual, unfortunately, the issue of where you live determining the school your kids get into is far too common, as Chris McGovern from the Campaign for Real Education explains. Yeah, I mean, all parents want a good school for their child, and uh, unfortunately, they're not enough to go around. Yeah, what we have a situation across the whole of England, and certainly in the north as much as anywhere else, uh, that... Essentially, we have selection, not by 11 plus, which is what we used to have. Well, we have a few areas, Trafford, for example, where there's still 11 plus and there's a grammar school. But generally speaking, no 11 plus. We have comprehensive schools, but we have selection by postcode. So if you can afford to buy a house in a good area, uh, you get into a good school. But as the social mobility unit showed a few years ago, you're about 25 times more likely to go to a failing school if you live in a deprived part of the country. There's plenty of those in the north of England. So, yeah, we have selection these days, and it's not by ability, it's by postcode and by money, which I think is a a pretty poor situation. We've got the worst rate of social mobility in the developed world. And that sort of what? And that's since... We've introduced a comprehensive system supposed to help all children, and we've got the worst rate of social mobility. There's a, there is a, I mean, you're right to identify a problem, but that's all I would say. Admission criteria are different for each school, and are usually set by either the school themselves or the local council. Legally, all schools must give top priority to children in care and those with special education needs. But while some schools may also give priority to children who live close to the school, Others may favour children from a particular religion or who went to a particular primary school, while selective schools, such as grammar schools, may have an entrance exam. One secondary school that is doing things a bit differently also happens to be the most oversubscribed in the North, proving hugely popular with both parents and children. XP School in Doncaster has been the most oversubscribed secondary in the North of England for the last four years. 
In the last round of applications, 192 parents put the school as their first choice, with only 35 being offered a place. Other schools from the Trust, XP East, also in Doncaster, and XP Gateshead, were also in the top three most oversubscribed secondaries in the North. While the schools do give priority to looked-after children and those with SEN provision, as well as children who have a brother or sister at the school already and the kids of people who work there, admissions are otherwise completely randomised. Gwynap Harry, CEO of the XP Trust, explains why they chose not to give priority to the children living closest to their schools. Yeah, well, our policy is quite different to that. Uh, we're, we're aware of like the postcode lottery and, and uh, we, we didn't want to be part of that. So when we set up our first school in 2014 in Doncaster, we decided to accept um, applications from parents from anywhere in Doncaster. We just listed the, po- listed the postcodes um, that covered Doncaster. So yeah, we're, we're, we're the only school in Doncaster and secondary school and in, and a new one in Gateshead where anyone in Doncaster or Gateshead can uh, apply and have the same chance of getting in. It doesn't matter where you live. All, all things being equal, I'd want my kids to, to walk to the local school and have a really strong local community, but uh, things aren't equal at the moment. So I think, yeah, it's the only, it's the only fair way of doing things. Part of the reason oversubscription is getting worse is that there are simply more children entering high school now, thanks to a baby boom 11 years ago. Paul Whiteman, the General Secretary of the National Association of Head Teachers, said, There is extra pressure on secondary admissions as the pupil population bulge that has been moving through primary schools is currently hitting secondary schools. Many schools are particularly oversubscribed, especially in certain areas of the country. Until the government creates a national strategy to guarantee there are enough school places for every child in England, the annual anxious wait for families will continue. For Susan, the solution to this problem would be to build more secondary schools. I've moved into, they're building more homes, I've moved into a new build home, and they have plans for more new builds, but there's no plans for secondary schools. They've got a plan for a primary school, which is great, because the more schools the better, but where are they going to go after that? Like if secondary schools are oversubscribed, we're just going to have the, we're going to have a worse problem because there's nowhere for these children to go. There's a lot of young families where I'm living now. And if there's no space, there's just nowhere where they're going to be going outside of Leeds at some point, you know, you hear of uh, cases like I read on Facebook where they've just had to go completely out of Leeds. They've just put the kids in other schools, Wakefield or wherever, just because, There's nothing, there's no room at all. Alternatively, she believes expanding existing secondaries could help. I've heard of, I know some secondary schools are expanding and they're trying to, you know, cater for more children. So hopefully that's in the pipeline for some high schools. um, So they won't have, you know, some of the issues that some of us are having. If If secondary schools can expand, that's brilliant. But then you don't want, you know for it to affect the education of the current school kid, you know, because they're so stretched and if they're struggling to, you know, recruit teachers, you don't want to affect those students. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? I don't know. For Chris at the Campaign for Real Education, the focus should be on improving the quality of existing schools rather than building new ones. The solution, of course, is to have more good schools. People talk about the private sector and say what a privileged area that is. Well, of course, it is privileged, but what we want to make sure it happens is that you don't have to go private. You don't have to buy a house in a good area, that all schools can be good. And now 
you know, I, I'd be a bit of a voice in the wilderness and say, well, actually, we can make all our good our schools into good schools. And it's not about throwing money at the at the schools, because too often we just say spend more money. The, the, what we need to do in this country is to actually improve the quality of the schools. And that means improving the teacher training and improving the lessons that we have, that the actual quality of the teaching in the classroom. Then we can raise the standards. It's not about money, but it's about how we teach the children. However, Gwyn from the XP Trust suggests that perhaps we need to rethink what makes a school worth applying to in the first place. Yeah, so obviously what you've got there is like a polarisation, haven't you, of good schools and uh, or perceived good schools and perceived not so good schools. Uh, and that's what I would be looking at, you know, and, and it's very easy to see. You don't have to look very far to work out uh, where these perceptions come from. So when Ofsted judge schools with one word, um, uh, you know, and, and parents only see one word, then you don't get the full picture of that school. Uh, when you look at results, I, I, it doesn't surprise me the polarisation when you've got polarised um, outcomes you know uh, most schools are good at at least some things uh, but getting their message out to parents uh, is hard when you've got people like Ofsted and the DfE uh, publishing uh, league tables results and one number judgments and one word judgments when schools are labeled uh, as such with such polarity as that you know if you're a teacher, which school do you want to go and work at? Do you want to work at the outstanding school or the uh, inadequate school? You know, yeah. uh, where do you want to send your kids to? Uh, so it so it's really it's really quite unhelpful. Um, uh, those the 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 sort of uh, um, environment that you're in. So we we you know you you try your best to, uh, despite of those things. I ask Gwen what he thinks would help fix the growing problem of oversubscription. I think we need. Innovation. Uh, I think we need schools that are different or, or that are able to be different from each other. I think that's another problem is that um, there's, a, there's a, a lot of very vocal people who think that schools should just be uh, uh, one, one way, uh, which seems to be at the detriment of working class kids, really. Um, um, and we're we're a, we're a different school. We're, we're a school that does things differently, and you know, uh, parents want what we uh, offer. For parents who are applying for secondary schools next year, Gwyn had this advice to offer: visit the schools. Don't just read uh, what what you've seen. Um, go into the school, and you and you may be really pleasantly surprised. Uh, I, I've visited hundreds of schools across uh, uh, different countries in the world, and it's it's, it's funny how you you walk into a school and you can clock the atmosphere almost immediately. Um, and it's funny how you can go into a school that may have a word that describes itself, and then go into another school that has a word that describes itself, and uh, you may feel differently. So, for instance. Um, my kids uh, were in an outstanding primary school uh, and we moved them to a requires improvement school um, because we knew that wasn't the truth because we'd walk, we knew the schools and we'd walk around them. Um, so, yeah, so really visit schools and you might be pleasantly surprised. Um, 
but also I'd say uh, try and get involved as well. Uh, there's there's uh, uh, most schools have community groups, par- parents uh, groups, um, governance. I mean, some multi academy trusts are more open to parents than others, but I would say get involved as well and and try and improve the schools yourself. That being said, there are options available if you're unhappy with the places you've been offered, as Susan explains. I would say if you're not happy with it, appeal, but you still need a good reason for that appeal. You know, you have to really think and you have to do, um, you know, really look into it, do your homework on the school. It's worth an appeal. You've got nothing to lose, um, definitely, but you will need like a, a reason for it. Like, why do you why do you think they'd be better off in that school than other schools? Why, you know, what is it, you know, is it an education thing? What can that school provide over the other schools? You've just got to do your homework. Uh, failing that, maybe move if you can, <laughs> if, you're, if you've got that luxury of being able to choose to move. The Department for Education said the vast majority of families will be offered a place at one of their preferred schools and most will be offered their top place. We have already created over 1 million school places in the last decade, the largest increase in school capacity for at least two generations. This episode of The North in Numbers was written and hosted by me, Annie Goke, and produced by Dan McLaughlin. Thank you so much to all my guests for speaking with me, and to you for listening. See you next time.